The gospel reading assigned for this day is Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that would be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. In a small Episcopal congregation where Bill and I used to worship, one Sunday there was a very sociable baby. As he sat in his mother's lap at the end of the pew, he got interested in the person next to her so he smiled, one of those heartbreaking, beautiful infant smiles, and he held out his arms to that person. And of course, the person then wanted to hold him, and the mother kindly handed her baby over. But as soon as the infant got into that set of arms, he turned to the person next to that person and smiled and held out his arms. And so it went. Each time he got into someone's lap, he would smile and hold out his arms to the next person. It was a long pew. And the baby went all the way down. And by the time he reached the end, nobody was paying any attention to the sermon. I know I wasn't. I was in the pew where the baby was sitting. I was hoping that when he got next to me, he'd hold out his arms. And he did. What a gift. A gift I was very happy to receive as I gathered him in. It feels so good to hold a baby, doesn't it? 
their warmth, their smell, their weight, just heavy enough to let you know they're real and a real commitment. Holding a baby just fills up your heart. And that is what I think of when I think of Simeon in today's text, holding the baby Jesus in his arms. Bible readers tend to have traditional images of Simeon that may not be accurate. Some church traditions cast him as a priest. Maybe that's because he was present in the temple when Jesus' family came to perform required rituals. Maybe it's because Christians who are accustomed to seeing pastors cradle infants at their baptism automatically fit Simeon into that pastoral role. But nothing in the text says he's a priest. Nothing in the text assigns him any job in the temple at all. Here is what the text gives us. He was a man in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He was looking forward to the consolation of Israel And the Holy Spirit rested on him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. What had Simeon seen so far in his life? What was he bringing to the temple that day? That he was looking forward to the consolation of Israel is a sign of his devotion as a Jew. The history of the Jews since the days of the ancient Israelites was full of pain. The pain of the unwanted, the enslaved, the oppressed, the people continually overpowered and destroyed by more powerful peoples around them. The pain of the voiceless looking for a way to speak. The pain of those sometimes seen as unlovely looking for a way to be loved. For this reason, faithful Jews like Simeon looked continually forward to the consolation that would come from the arrival of God's anointed one. But Simeon may have been carrying his own individual pain as well. Don't we all? Apart from his faithfulness clearly spelled out in the text, we don't know much about Simeon, but as fellow humans, We know what it is to look for love. Now, looking strictly at the text without layering it over with our assumptions, we might say that Mary and Joseph handed their baby over to a random stranger who just liked to hang out in the temple, someone guided by messages that he hears from a spirit. In that light, The picture of Simeon gathering the baby into his arms goes from comfortable familiarity to a strange and possibly unsettling experience, which is more in keeping with the many strange experiences of those early chapters of Luke, which include visits from angels, miraculous conceptions, and a priest struck dumb because of his doubt. That priest was Zechariah in chapter 1. Do you remember that story? An angel visits Zechariah in the temple to tell him his wife will bear a son. And when Zechariah expresses doubt, the angel takes away his power to speak. He finds his voice again only at his baby's circumcision when he writes on a tablet the words that the angel gave him, his name is John. And immediately... 
says the text. His mouth was opened and his tongue loosened and he began to speak, praising God. Zechariah could not speak until he demonstrated conclusively that he had received the message the angel brought him. And he did that by taking that writing tablet into his hands. The tablet was probably made of wood or clay, coated with wax, into which Zechariah would have scratched the letters. Grasping the tablet and stylus, pressing the stylus into the wax surface with his hands, with his touch, Zechariah literally took hold of what God had given him, a message from an angel. When the angel had first spoken to him, he had heard the message, but he didn't really receive it. For that, he needed time and his hands. By receiving God's message, taking it and recreating it with his hands, holding it for himself, he was freed to speak. In a December newsletter from Connaught Hills Moravian Church, my colleague, your friend and mine, Reverend John D. writes, talked about the importance not of giving gifts in the Christmas season, but of receiving gifts. What is given to us with love, we must reach for with our hands, hold in our arms. John said that one year at the Connaught Hills Christmas pageant, a two-year-old cow took baby Jesus out of the manger and walked away with the doll in her arms. John said that was the right way to celebrate Christmas, to receive it, to take the child into our arms. Literally take hold of what God has given to us. In what ways would that change us? In what ways would that free us? Several years ago, a man from eastern North Carolina named Warren Holloman told a story on a show called The Moth Radio Hour about what it means to hold a baby. Holloman's mother believed in holding babies as little as possible, lest they be coddled and spoiled. Fortunately, Holloman was able to overcome that legacy. But the most powerful part of his story was when someone else held his baby, a dear friend and neighbor, whom he calls Charles. This was in 1987, at the height of the AIDS epidemic. And Charles was very ill with AIDS. Charles had been so looking forward to the birth of Holloman's child, he had talked about it many times with great excitement. But just a few weeks after the baby, Annie, was born, Holloman got a call from a friend saying that Charles was near the end of his life. Holloman and his wife, with Annie, hurried to Charles's bedside, even though the friend told them Charles would not recognize them. And it's a shame, the friend said, because he was so looking forward to meeting your baby. Charles was lying in a hospital bed, emaciated and muttering incoherently. He did not appear to know that they were in the room, not at first. But Holloman says that after a while, he noticed that Charles seemed to be looking out of the corner of his eye, right at baby Annie. Uh, Holloman and his wife had a sudden inspiration. They took their infant daughter and laid her face down right on Charles's bare chest. 
Her head fit right into the hollow of his neck. And after a moment, Charles began to move. At first, it was a kind of twitching, spasms around the shoulders and the arms. Holloman and his wife were actually a little frightened. Was he having a seizure? Would the baby be safe? But after some time, they realized that Charles's movement was purposeful. Charles was trying to remember how to use his arms. Gradually, his movement strength, gathered strength and coordination. And at last, said Holloman, those scarecrow arms lifted and formed this arch, he said, over our baby. And then his arms just relaxed, and they relaxed around our baby. And as his arms relaxed, his breathing relaxed. The painful expression on his face went away. And then, as if that were not miracle enough, Charles spoke. Haltingly, he said, Annie came to see me. Annie. Charles held the baby in his arms, receiving her touch as the gift it was, and it freed him to speak. And a few hours later, Charles departed in peace. You know, not only does the text of Luke not say Simeon was a priest, the text doesn't say he was old. We've pictured him as old. He had a revelation that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And when he takes Jesus in his arms, he says, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace. So it makes sense to picture him as someone at the end of a long and faithful life. But once again, we don't know. He was just a man in Jerusalem. Could have been old, could have been young. Could have been both young and near the end of his life, desperately ill, clinging to life with the hope of seeing a promise fulfilled before he died. Could be he was just a man in Jerusalem longing to take love into his arms and hold it close. One more thing about Warren Holloman's story. The whole time Holloman and his wife and child were in Charles's room, Charles's mother was there too. But she would not touch her son. She was too afraid of his disease. And that was actually the reason Holloman and his wife made the sudden unspoken decision to lay their infant on Charles's chest to encourage his mother not to be afraid to encourage her to touch her own child. How Charles must have longed to receive the gift of his mother's love to take her into his arms and hold her close. But when that gift was not extended, he received instead the gift of love that was, and it freed him. There were reasons for Mary and Joseph to trust Simeon even if he was not some comfortable elderly priest, but a stranger. Luke describes him as righteous, which one Bible dictionary defines as meeting the demands of relationships. So he would, by word and action, have shown that he could be trusted. Also, he was devout, which means he adhered to the tenets of his faith. 
Joseph and Mary shared that faith. And Luke goes out of his way to show that they too are devout, doing what the law requires. In this sense, Joseph and Mary and Simeon are not strangers to one another. They're members of the same ancient family, sharing a faith and a history. And this history hangs on a promise of consolation. Holding that child in his arms, Simeon knew that the promise was fulfilled. Maybe his breathing relaxed. Maybe his face changed as the history of pain found its consolation. This is God's promise to us still, that mortals with all their history of pain have consolation through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The love of Jesus is a gift continually extended to humankind. Receiving that gift brings consolation to those in pain and sets the voiceless free to speak. But we need to take it into our arms, really feel it. The weight just heavy enough to know it's real and a real commitment. It is the season of Christmas. The Christ child is born and is very near to you. As you sit there in your pew, even now, he's holding his arms out to you. What a gift. Receive the child. Merry Christmas and amen. <laughs>